Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. We transition over to Hale Varsity Radio, Hale Varsity Roadshow here at the Single Barrel, 9th and P, all sorts of big red here. There's a Nebraska fan beyond as we're here at the Single Barrel that's got his overalls on. And then he's got that giant foam cowboy hat like, well, like you saw in Dumb and Dumber. Uh, it's awesome. It's it's great. The uh, The bar is packed and the... Breakfast Buffet is rolling as we get you ready for Nebraska and Iowa kickoff at 11. Uh, Elijah Herbal, Mark Cranach with us as his title says a traveling <laughs> journalist. Uh, most importantly, we have a Hall of Fame coach on the horn. We welcome in uh, former coach at Colorado Northwestern, Gary Barnett with us on Black Friday to get things kicked off, Nebraska, Iowa. Coach, how was your Thanksgiving? Thanks for a few minutes today. Yeah, oh, it was always fun and hectic. I just want to make sure that everybody knows you were not describing me in the no. uh, Husker overalls and the Dumb and Dumber hat. You're talking to somebody else, right? I, I'm talking about uh, a Nebraska fan that's here that's eating uh, the incredible uh, buffet here at the Single Barrel Coach. No, you're not wearing Nebraska. You're not putting a tribute together for Herbie. I, that, that's, that's, cr- that's clear. Although, you've been in Lincoln your fair share of Black Fridays. I have, and... Uh, to me, they were the most exciting games of the year, either at Lincoln or in Boulder. Uh, I mean, they, they it always had so much on the line. Uh, it seemed like one of the teams or both of the teams were ranked. Uh, everybody looked forward to it. We were, there were only two games on, if you remember, Chris, that weekend. It was Texas and Texas A&M and Nebraska, Colorado, and uh, one one year, uh, one team would have the early start, or one game would have the early start. The next game, they'd rotate it. So it was, I, I just remember going out and recruiting, and every kid watched those two games because that was the only two games that were on at the time. Now, that's back in the dark ages, but uh, <laughs> it, it was always just a great experience. Well, going to be back on CBS in prime time for Nebraska today at 11, and this Big Ten TV setup really does a fantastic job of showcasing coach the the over-unders are historically low for this ball game i think 24 and a half uh it is it is bone chillingly cold it's 22 degrees here and that's not anything new late november but as you look at this matchup here uh first and foremost we talked a lot about chubba pretty last week 
what did you think of Chubber's performance against Wisconsin? And, you know, what, what type of advantage, if any, do you think Nebraska could have today? Well, I, I just think that, uh, you know, Chubby, Chubba seems to, you know, just run, run the show. You know, I mean, he's got a good sense of it all. He's, he's not one-dimensional. But at least in the past game, he, he seems to have a step up on the other two guys. And, uh, you know, he, he was, uh, I thought he was somewhat impressive in that game. Uh, this game is a different game, though. And, Chris, this game's going to come down to turning the ball over in this kind of weather. Uh, and like you said, the the uh, over-under is ridiculously low, but that's when you play Iowa, you're going to always have that. And uh, I was interested that uh, Nebraska was a point favorite or two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Yeah, Iowa started out that way, and, and now Nebraska is up to a three-point favorite. And uh, you have uh, some injuries with Iowa. Of course, Cooper DeGene is out. And Iowa's always been a little bit problematic on offense, but it's really Nebraska's offense versus that Iowa D. And uh, speak real quick to, to what Coach Parker does so well. And they just end up, especially with that front seven. I mean, Iowa's so good with their front seven. Um, being able to, to threaten run and pass some of Chubb's skills, I think, could be a difference. But I agree with you. It is all about turnovers. And while Nebraska was good turnover-wise against Wisconsin, Coach Barnett, they've not been good the last five or six ball games turnover-wise. Can you just turn that off if you're Nebraska? It was a good start last week, at least. Well, you, 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 it is a good start, and you can't just turn it off, especially when you're going to play against a team like Iowa. I mean, you have to be you have to be so secure with that ball, either in the air or when you're running the football. You know, yes, what that defense does. It is so so well versed that everybody knows where everybody goes. They everybody knows their fit. Nobody screws up their fit. Um, and as so as a result, there's always an unblocked defender or somebody that's really hard to block right where you want to take the football. And just when you've been there as long as Parker has, and these kids have grown into this system and they understand it, and just the communication and the understanding of how defenses are supposed to fit and where everybody's supposed to be, and then being willing, being able to depend on the guy around them to be there, that that breeds great confidence, and that's what happens with Iowa. They just they come in every year knowing that their defense is so sound and so solid that everybody's going to have trouble with it, and they do. Gary Barnett with us here, a Nebraska Iowa pregame edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And, Coach, whenever you think about a football game, usually you have to win two of the three phases in order to win a game. Nebraska's defense against Iowa's offense, I think, is advantage Nebraska. Iowa's defense against Nebraska's offense probably advantage Iowa. And then the special teams, I mean, Iowa is always so good in that aspect of it. So I think Nebraska's offense is going to have to get some points on the Iowa defense, as tough as that sounds. If you were the man on the headset today, if you were calling the game, how do you beat Iowa's defense? Do you do you get tricky? Do you do you get into the bag of tricks and and try to to confuse them that way, or do you keep it simple, stupid? What do you think the the offensive game plan should be for Nebraska? Because they're going to have to get some first downs and some yards in this Iowa defense if they want to win the football. Yeah, you you know what? Uh, you've got to be really solid. You've got to be sound in in the plays to call. You 
you don't take chances. You don't take too many chances. You're going to take a couple chances here or there. But for the most part, you just you do it with sound football. That's how you beat Iowa. You don't beat them with gimmicks or, or gadgets because they're so well-versed in it because that's how everybody tries to beat them. And I think the way you beat them is to be basic, to be simple, to complete the easy passes, you know, to get on the perimeter with your throws a little bit, get away from the rush, find a way to run the draws and, and, and careful with the screens. But it's, uh, you know, this is one of those games where you don't go out and just throw everything, uh, especially considering the weather. Um, I mean, you haven't been a team that's been able to do that or has tried that. So don't get out of your personality. you got to be you. This, you. You rely on the importance of this game, the fact that it's a bowl game, that it sets the tone for going into next year. Those are the things <clears throat> that should be really motivating in this game. Uh, there is uh, Hawkeye-Husker pandemonium here, Coach, as a father and son are getting a picture taken, and uh, one's wearing Iowa yellow, one's wearing Nebraska red. I think the, the loser has to buy a steak dinner tonight. That's the steak and a beer bet going on, but at least everyone's friendly right now. It's Gary Barnett with us here, uh, pregame edition, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, is it a success if Nebraska is it a successful season? We've been chewing on this a lot this week. I want your take. Uh, Nebraska's progress. I think a lot of us have seen it. That said, if they don't get to a bowl game, is it a successful season? What's your view? Well, I think a lot of it comes down to this game and, and how you play this game, Chris. Because th- this team's going to play for the Big Ten championship, and so you go toe to toe with these guys. And you win by a point or a couple points, or you lose by a couple points. Um, that's still a big step. You couldn't have done that a year ago. And uh, you know, I think uh, it's such a big tryout for Purdy. I think um, going forward, because wouldn't you just love having a quarterback that's got confidence going into the off season that you know you can count on, or you feel like you can count on at this point in time, that point in time, and so. You know, just going in, knowing who your quarterback is going to be in the spring, that's that's a big deal. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, I think successful season. I mean, it's been hard getting this last six game, and most of it because of turnovers. And that's an issue that, um, you know, if you walk out of this game without turning that ball over, that's a big step. Coach, how do you handle – the quarterback room moving forward if you're Nebraska you like what Chubba can do now that he's healthy and you've seen flashes you want to see more but what's the balancing act going to the portal and trying to keep guys in that room um, if if you're Matt Rule well it depends on which way you're going to go with it and what Matt's approach to it is going to be and even though you've used the portal a little bit you haven't been a wholesale portal team like some teams that I'm very close to do. Um, <laughs> but you still got a team. You know, you've got you've got uh, 80 other guys that uh, you have a responsibility to, and so it's your responsibility to get them the best fit and the best player. Uh, and I emphasize the best fit and the best player uh, in that quarterback room. So whether it's recruiting, whether it's Cheba, whether it's one of the other two guys or whether it's somebody off the portal, you have to look at everything. And they got to know that. I mean, Ted Boyle 
uh, the basketball coach at Colorado has a great way of talking about the offseason. He says, my job is to go out and get better players than, than you guys. And you guys' responsibility is you'll be better players next year than you were this year. And if you buy into that, I think that's a great model and a great way to go about it. Yes, uh, Gary Barnett's with us here on Hale Varsity. Coach, we'll hit some rapid fire before we get you out. Thanks for making time this morning. It's always fun to chat and get your feel on the, the football day on Black Friday. So many good matchups, so many rundowns. Uh, Missouri, Arkansas, any danger for your Tigers at minus nine? Well, I think there's always danger when it's a nine-point spread, but Missouri's playing really well right now, and they have so much on the line uh, that I just don't think that they're going to lose this game. But I, I, I don't like the nine points necessarily because, you know, you're, you're getting senior day, you're getting all that stuff, um, you know, at, uh, at Arkansas. So, uh, you know, and, and it started at seven and a half and went up to nine. So, But Missouri's a good, solid football team, and, and they like playing football, and they like playing together, so they still win. Oregon State, Oregon, minus 14 ducks. That's down two points from a couple of days ago. Yeah, I, uh, I, I like Oregon in this game. Uh, I really do, and I like him by, you know, Bo Nix can win the Heisman today or take a step towards it, and I, and I think Oregon wins handily, even though Oregon State's a good football team, and they'll try to slow the game down, but Oregon just swarms, swarms it. Florida State, Florida, Knowles are trying to lick their wounds at quarterback minus six and a half Knowles. You know, I watched Florida uh, last week against Missouri, and their backup quarterback did a great job. I, I think Florida's Florida, Florida could win this game, I think. I like the points in Florida. FSU's got a lot to play for without a quarterback, but they, you know, they're still a really good, solid football team all around. But So I, if I was betting with my money, I'd take Florida State. Your money, I'd take Florida. love it last thought here coach barnett will get you out nebraska iowa big red minus three boy this is a hard fit well i the problem with you don't want to give iowa three points that may be the only three points they get so uh (laughs) you know they don't score a lot of points uh you know this is a pick them for me i i don't know which way to go with this one i i think i was I was, uh, you know, of course, playing there, and I was banged up a little bit. But uh, I'm going to go with Nebraska with the point. Two of your favorite schools, all right? I mean, Iowa and Nebraska. I mean, you're... That's right. They're my two rivals. No question about it. Nobody... I'd like to see either one of them lose, actually. So. Can they both lose? Can they both lose? Let's pray not. Let's pray not for for Nebraska fans. Uh, Nebraska fans need to go to a bowl game. It's been a while, Coach yeah, Barnett. Well, well, here's so, the thing: if there's any consolation, if the under hits in this game, twenty four and a half, America loses. So, uh, well, Coach, we'll we'll let you say goodbye as you're serenaded off to your Black Friday with the Go Big Red chant throughout yeah, the bar here. 
Right. I love it. I'm going to be watching the game, though. It's on in a couple hours, so I'm, I'm ready to go. All right. Coach, we'll get caught up again soon. Best to you and your fam. Thanks for the time today. All right, Chris. Great being with you. There he is. Uh, Coach Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Black Friday edition. So Mark Cranack, a traveling journalist, tried to chime in. I didn't hear him at all, fellas. Cranack, do we have you? I'm sorry about that. Cranack is currently muted, so I'm not sure if he is in route or what his status is. Maybe he doesn't know okay. he's muted. But. All right. Well, the Pride right, of what about, what, what about now? What about do we now? have him? Cranack, are you there? Can you hear me now? I got you now. You I got now? you now. I got you now. The, the Snitleys are here. I love it. We'll uh, be back. Cranack is here. Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse, is here. Dolman's here. Elijah Herbal. Black Friday rolls forward on Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity, Black Friday edition. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Mark Cranack. If you're watching on stream, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, a traveling journalist. <laughs> we have Cranack now. Bill Dolman, Gary Sharp. The crew is all here. Uh, fellas, happy belated Thanksgiving. Cranack, where are you at? Are you parked and started the tailgate, or are you still en route? I am in roots. Um, I'm happy to be here on Chris FOR radio this morning, too, by the way. Great job. <laughs> uh, I just renamed the station, you know, and I, I just figured if I could do this, I could give you like traffic on the eights or nines. When do we do that on Camp Ward? Like, what's the what's the clock like? I know you're really good at it, but I, I, don't, I don't pay attention to it as much no, as I do the sports that. stuff. As much no, as I, I do the sports. So, like, when is weather and traffic in, like, what times? On the eights, right nines, now, it's it, it, 26 after. So, give us. Okay. Give us some traffic. Are you uh, where are you at on the interstate, Cranack? Uh, in the right lane. I'll just say that. No. <laughs> I don't want to give away my uh, location. I was gonna, gotta I was gonna say uh, I'm at the rest time. stop, Schmidt. <laughs> I'm at the rest stop. Well, no, uh, if he gives away his location, there's gonna be people on the road searching out his vehicle, trying to find Mark Cranack, get an autograph on the road. Exactly, Elijah. Thank you. Yeah, Let's. We can't uh, have that. No, let's go around the horn and, and just kick off with the temperature. It's 22 degrees, but your Husker temperature. Kradak, how you feeling today as Nebraska needs one more to get bowl eligible? Um, a great deal of anxiety. Uh, <laughs> feeling. <laughs> I mean, what what do you think of a game like this? Like, it, it is it has all the pressure elements that you can possibly have for a 5 win team. Because it's not just, right? I mean, this is it. This is it. And you have had how many chances now to swing and, Four. To swing and miss at, at bowl eligibility, right? I mean, you've been, been stuck on five wins for a minute now. And here it is, your rival, whether or not you want to say they are, they are. Like, the Nebraska fans, out of everybody in the Big Ten, this is the team they dislike the most. The proximity, all of that. Um, and if you lose, you're done. You, you just, you know, season is absolutely yeah. over. So the... The pressure that is on that team today is going to be really interesting. And I almost think being as youthful as they are might be a benefit in some ways on offense because they don't know anything. They don't know any better. They don't have, I guess, years of disappointment and stage fright that some of their older counterparts do on this team. So that gives me at least a little bit of 
a, a little bit of hope. And then I think also with Chubba Purdy, just the way he played last week. Now, look, it's not like he put up some sort of Heisman performance. You know, let's, let's temper it a little bit. But he did play freely. He did not seem like he was playing with the weight of the world on his shoulders, for whatever that's worth. And so Nebraska needs that today for sure. Because can they beat Iowa? Of course they can. They, like, yes, Iowa is not impenetrable. Um, we just can't, you know, can't do all the things that Nebraska was doing leading up to last week, which is turn it over because those guys will pass. It's Mark Cradak, uh, Black Friday edition of Hale Varsity. In the right lane. In the, in the right lane, Mark Cranach in route. Right. Bill Dolman, Gary Sharp, I'm switching Elijah here momentarily. I'll, I'll let you all know. The, yeah. the middle lane is <laughs> the way to go because, like, like the right lane, you got the semis, like 75. It's a game day. You want to get down to Lincoln. The middle lane, you get to a nice, like, 79, 80. You're clear in the middle lane, and then I'm not going to advise you any faster in the left lane, but, like, I like the left lane, too. I, I avoid the right lane entirely between Lincoln and Omaha, usually. No, 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 sometimes no, 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 it is, no, Sharpie, sometimes driver, the, the right yeah. lane is, is the... It's the seam, and you know, that zone yeah. read you take, yeah. and you're gone. If you're passing in the today. right lane, that is such poor interstate etiquette. You pass no, in the no, 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 no. That, that means well, that the person in the middle it. lane is not over in the right lane. That's poor <laughs> etiquette on them. So then you pass them in the left lane. But but sometimes there's I don't know a milk truck in the left lane that, that can't <laughs> giddy up. Uh, we'll get back Listen, to guys, football. There's, there's, there's like eight or nine in the box here. There's eight, eight or nine in the box. I can't be super choosy on which lane I'm in. You know? I'm just looking for a hole, no, and I'm, and I'm uh, exploiting it. Well, uh, they're going to uh, audible to, to something safer. Gary, get your take. Bill, follow. And then Elijah, when it comes to the temperature here, Nebraska, today's ball game, how you feeling? Um, Nebraska's going to have to play darn near perfect to win today. Because think about it. Like, if you go back to last Saturday night, they were not very good in complimentary football. If they just had a a, a dose of complimentary football when the defense is handed a 14-point lead or the defense finally gets their feet on the ground and they're starting to make stops in the second half. So they're going to need that today. They're going to, of course, need special teams. Iowa special teams are elite. We know that. Nebraska's special teams just need to be good. They don't need a 19-yard punt from Bushini when they need a 45-yard punt to flip the field because this will be just like we've been playing since the 1st of October. It'll be a field position turnover type game. Now, what I worry about from Nebraska's standpoint is you are down to essentially Emmett Johnson and Joshua Fleeks as your, your running back. Grant's injury, now he's questionable. That was a pretty pretty severe injury that he suffered on the first play of overtime last week. Um, so you're going to need Purdy, who kind of went a little bit off script in some of the things he did. And when they were on script at the beginning, it was good. But Iowa has a full game tape on him now. So I think today is more between the ears than the physical attributes of Purdy. But I think across the board, Nebraska, and this is with headsets as well, they're going to need a darn near perfect game. But complimentary football is what's going to you know, get them over the top in a game that is going to look exactly the same as we've seen since Illinois. You know, my, uh, my fear is as I look at the lines, uh, 24 and a half over under, okay? That, that's telling considering <laughs> that Notre, Dame, insane. Notre Dame is 25 and a half over whoever they yeah. play today, right? Um, but then the, uh, the, the Nebraska is now a three. So my question is, is how, will there be three inappropriate or inopportune or ill-advised 
Matt Marcus Satterfield reverses or trick plays in the <laughs> oh, game wow. at awful <laughs> at awful times when you've got the ball uh, moving, you've got you know got some tempo, you've got your quarterback in a rhythm, and you've got you know one of those reverses that ends up from you know second down and four to second down and seven, or third down and seventeen, and then you punt, and then it. Uh, we see that every week where there is like, why did you go into the playbook that you should not be in at all this season? But we just want to do it anyway, like the play against Maryland at the very end. That That's my fear is that there are going to be some play calls that just don't fit the, the, the tenor of the game. Um, I, it, I, my, my fear with Purdy is he came out last week and played extremely well in the first quarter. And Wisconsin made some adjustments. In the second half, there, was, there wasn't quite the same effectiveness. Now, whether that was him or whether that was Nebraska's defense, whatever it was, the game did not have the same finish, obviously. But the, again, I use the word tenor as it did at the beginning of the game. I'm going to be looking at Nebraska's young receivers. I think Malachi Coleman needs to make a big play. Thank you. Um, I think uh, Doss needs to make a uh, any of those guys. Lloyd. Lloyd. Mm. I get those guys confused. Lloyd needs to make a big play downfield, not not Lloyd on a reverse, okay? Downfield, possession. Uh, Billy Kemp needs to have another, you know, nice nice catch over the middle and, and 15 to 20 yards uh, after the catch. Uh, Fedoni. I, I think Nebraska's passing game is going to be critical, but those young guys need to stretch well, the defense and make a play. Well, well, Not just stretch and, and go down and be open, yeah. but catch it. Well, I, I think one thing you saw, and I'm right with there with Malachi Coleman. Tell you, Malachi Coleman's most important time past today is going to be the offseason. Not spring ball, but he needs to understand that all plays matter. He has a huge upside, but there are times where he kind of takes some plays off or doesn't run the routes properly when the ball's supposed to go his way. I think in terms of Satterfield, who is more comfortable with Purdy as your quarterback because he's the only guy that looks like a true Power 5 quarterback on this roster, which is crazy, but they, they, <laughs> did, they did it to themselves, yeah. is that skinny post that they ran for the touchdown pass to Lloyd was a great play design. I think Satterfield has the frost in him. I think Scott Frost was a really, really good play designer, not a great play caller. I think Satterfield is a good play designer, not a great, okay, when do we call this play? Timing. So I agree. Yeah, I agree with what Bill said about when, is he going to match the flow of the game? But he's more in tune with Purdy. But I will tell you that Purdy's best plays today might be when he goes off script, mm. when, when some things break down and he puts his foot on the ground and takes off, or he maybe doesn't run the right play and somehow they find themselves <laughs> into a good play. But you got to remember, this is a ball-hawking defense that they're going against. It's just there's a lot of things that would say – Against Nebraska, I think if you're looking for Nebraska to win, isn't it more of, man, it's time. How can they go uh, unbeaten in October but winless in November? So the law of averages have to play out. It's just when you're thinking that way, I think this is the wrong team to play against. So that's why I keep saying Nebraska needs all three phases to be to be darn near perfect today. And guys, Logic, uh, your quickly, temperature check. Yeah. Quickly, the assist from Moombot here. An interesting note. Jalen Lloyd maybe woke up feeling pissed off today. He has retweeted <laughs> Trey Palmer's tweet from last year <laughs> nice. saying, I woke up feeling pissed off. So if you need a fresh wide receiver to, to, to step up, maybe Jalen Lloyd's your guy waking up feeling pissed off. But my temperature on the game day is we're going to spend some time talking about Chubba Purdy, talking about the fresh wide receivers, talking about the offense. But I don't think that the Husker offense is what wins the football game day. Obviously, you need this offense to put some points on the board, to put together a, a scoring drive. But 13 points might be all it takes to win this football game because 
it's your defense that's going to have to step up and win this game. Whenever Iowa is pinned deep in their own territory, you can't allow them to pick up a couple first downs and flip the field because your offense is going to struggle to move the ball 90 yards on this Iowa team. It's going to come down to the defense. You know what? Whenever you get Iowa backed up on their own goal line, force them to go three and out and give your offense a chance to move 60 yards instead of 90 yards. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on this defense. Maybe not to score points, though. That would be huge. But to, to play as well as they can whenever you have the opportunity to, to give your offense a chance closer to midfield as opposed to your own side of the ball. If, if you get into a game where Iowa's taking over at their own 35, their own 40, they pick up a first down, they pin Nebraska deep, force Nebraska into three and out, that's where Iowa thrives. Remember, they back up your offense on their own goal, and it's going to come down to the defense to make some plays, force Iowa to punt from their own side of the field, and give your offense an easier drive that way. And one drive might be all it takes from the Husker offense here to get 10 points on the board, 13 points on the board, kick some field goals. That might be what it takes today. Maybe I'm way off. I'm seeing Gary's face, so I'd love to get your take, Gary. No, I agree with you, but I think when you, the way to beat this Iowa team, which, I mean, we, we know what we feel about Iowa, but tip your cap. They're 9-2, and two, and they're a punt return away from being 10-1 and one walking yes. in here today, is I don't think three beats them. I mean, they're so good defensively, they force you into a 24-yard a, a field goal. I think you got to have seven today. Seven is greater than three. That's what my math teacher in seventh grade told, told me. <laughs> I just think that's the way to go to beat this Iowa team. They're so good defensively. So I wonder if that, guys, if that plays into... Red zone, now, right? now, yeah. but, but Nebraska has been so poor from the 25-yard line in. So that worries me as well as another element of, of how you find a way to win a game today. I'm really interested here, and we'll wrap up this segment and roll forward here at the single barrel, ninth and P, Hale Varsity, Black Friday edition. You know, we talk turnovers, we talk Nebraska uh, and the red zone, very important, but uh, the, the, the mentality here, the psyche of a tight ball game in the fourth quarter, you've uh, lived it as a Nebraska fan. Can this team flip the script the last three weeks? We'll uh, tell and talk more next. Hale Varsity here at the Single Barrel. Hale Varsity Radio is live. Now, back to Schmitty. Schmitty's a great guy, but he don't have a brain. And Elijah. You want me to speak? When I point you, yeah. On Hale Varsity Radio. Yes, the Snidleys are here. The <laughs> Boulder Tree Speedy in the flesh. As what's hilarious is, is thank God we didn't have the mics popped up. <laughs> they were they were displaying verbally the feelings of Nebraska fans with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. <laughs> catch, it, catch them on the director's cut. Right, and it was a beautiful picture <laughs> that was painted. Hail Varsity here, Black Friday edition. Here at the single barrel, ninth and P. We'll have one uh, long segment before we get you into the 10 o'clock hour. He's imaginary. He wears red. Clausburn will be with us the Friday forecast at 10.05. Jeremiah Searles and Evan Bland, our rewind segments, taking you up till kickoff. Real red reaction follows. As we'll be at the bar, the bar, Seth and Greg and company, God love them, our third straight Black Friday that Iowa's been in town. We have been at the bar, the bar for Black Friday to recap the show. So that gets going at 2.30. 17th in P, the bar, the bar. You are going to need to warm up. And the place to warm up is the bar, the bar. We have 
God, Arizona Husker always kicks in money for us. All I want for Christmas is Hale Varsity Radio and the Schmidt and Herbal Roadshow in Arizona for a bowl game. Uh, we are going to bring Dolman with us. We are going to bring Cranack uh, with us, probably Sharpie, too, to Arizona. We will camp out at my mother's. I have not asked permission yet. <laughs> but we have a spot in Arizona, Arizona Husker. Cranack, do we have you on the uh, the hard line right now? Are you with us? Yeah, middle lane. Middle lane, we're good. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bail on this whole Interstate 80 experiment and try to cut over to six. Uh, I think that might be my best bet to park before the tunnel walk. Uh, so we're getting there. Okay, that that sounds good, guys. The topic of success. I I brought it up with Coach Barnett, Elijah. You and I hammered it on uh, on Wednesday. Uh, the progress is evident. You have the eye test. Cranach, start with you. We'll go around the horn again. But is bowl game participation imperative for you to equal success for Nebraska football? Do they got to get to six for Mark Cranach to say, yep, this has been a good season? Yeah, Probably. Because there has to be some sort of step change compared to what we've seen for years. And, and what we've seen for years is, ah, they're close. Ah, they're, you know, oh, geez, close in so many games. There's progress. But this guy's coming back, so maybe next year. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think it's time. I mean, it, it's time for you to do a little bit more than just kind of almost get there. That, that, is, that is something Nebraska hasn't done since, God, 2016, fellas. Like, it's a long time ago. <laughs> This is a long time. How many quarterbacks has Nebraska trotted out since 2016, right? Like, it has been a long time, and you were right there, and you. this is going to be – is today your fourth chance? Forgive my ignorance there, because you were five it, and three. It, yeah, it, it's, it's four. Chance. Yep, four. Come on. Four, your fourth chance in a row, you've got to be able to break through on one of those. You have to be able to break through. I, I mean, put it this way. If they, they, they close at five and seven this year, you're – like, who would say, ah, oh, it's been a successful season? Like, how can you say that with a straight face? Um, regardless of injuries and everything else, it's just, you know, it's time. Nebraska needs to take that extra step. Sharpie, yay or nay on success? I think it's been a successful season. I think getting to a bowl game kind of validates that. You need some sort of validation. I agree with Mark. From a culture standpoint, I think what's been poured is going to last a long time. So I think there's been progress. There's been development. There's been better football played, turnovers notwithstanding. That's been problematic. But what I've seen from this football team, line's gotten better. Young kids have played at a better level from when they started. Uh, quarterback's been a, a, a merry-go-round, but they've, they've been in – contention despite all the injuries so yeah. there's been some good but it'd be really uh, again validation is shown with that six and six number well i think you have to look at it uh, a couple of different ways there there's definitely if they if at 230 today their season is over and they're five and seven where you went unbeaten in october but winless in november and you had four opportunities to become bowl eligible for the first time since 2016 there is a tinge of disappointment but then you have to look at the bigger picture what does 23, how does it impact 24? Does it change what you're doing in 24? No, but in the moment, you say, man, that's a disappointment because once again, Nebraska couldn't seize 
good fortune that was in front of them. Um, so I, I, I saw somebody today wrote failure. I wouldn't call it a failure because I think they've done stuff that won't show up until next year and the following year. They've done, and they've learned this year of what they have and they don't have. But, yeah, if for the next month it would be a tinge of disappointment if they are not continuing to play. And then you'll step back and go, okay, what did we learn in 23 that is going to benefit this program moving forward? They've taken a step forward. They just haven't been able to seize validation, and a lot of it's been on their own. Now, I think if you are, get we, to... are we conflating program progress with success this season? Like, program progress, absolutely successful. Matt? Right? Like, Matt Rule has implemented multiple things that seem like they will pay off. But yes. you can't conflate that with the 2023 football season, right? I think that's sort of what you're getting at there, Gary. Yep. Well, I, th- I, think, Rule, I think Rule had one of his top ten quotes of the year about his record. Mm-hmm. He's happy with where they're at, and he's angry with where they're at. Sure. And I think that makes sense. I think if, if, if Nebraska becomes bowl eligible – I think what you you have almost the advancement from year one to year three. I think there's a found, I think there's a foundational uh, there's a foundation that's been put in place for Nebraska football this season. And if you're able to get to a bowl game, you you have taken a two steps forward. If not, I think you've taken a step forward, and it's a progression from year one to year two. Yeah. I, I, I what I've liked most about what I've seen from this team this year is that there is a second-half fight that I don't think was evident the last couple of seasons. And I remember watching the Minnesota game last year. Nebraska led at halftime. And when that team came back out on the field in the second half, it, it looked like there was something, there was an, an inevitability that they were going to let it slip away and lose. The same way with the Illinois game. In Lincoln, these are home games last year where they just came out and there was no fight in them whatsoever. And the only fight you really saw was at the end of the year in yeah. the Iowa game, and they went over there and pulled off the upset. But there was just this, there was just this depression around the program that I don't think is there anymore. They fight from start to finish. Sometimes they don't end up on the right side of the scoreboard, as has been evident in the three previous tries to get to a sixth win. But I think that there has been significant advancement from year one into year two. A bowl game just advances them a little bit further into year three. Well, if we're talking about progress here, Nebraska's got a head coach down on the field right now. He's wearing shorts in this weather. And if that's not a football guy leading the program, I don't know what it is. That, that's, that's progress to me. Oh, I love it. I love it. A, a football guy, for sure, in shorts and, and no sleeves. Elijah, I, I think you can look big picture and immediate future as in this season, and it can be two different things. And... Uh, I think the validation would do wonders. I think the the springboard slash acceleration is very real if they can get it done today, uh, and they can always live in the reality of hey, they they did their best, and it just wasn't enough this year. And I think they can learn from it and and be better uh, next season no matter what happens today, but it'd be really good for this team and this program when we talk about learning how to win to get it done against this caliber of program that lives and, and lives pretty well in these tight ball games. Yeah, and, and that is a, a huge step in terms of progress, but I think the, the big thing for a win today, in my mind, is, is the proof of concept. Because Cranach laid it out. There's changes that have been implemented to the program that seem like they should work. Husker fans... 
are waiting for that proof of concept that no, it's not just this seems like it should work, this will work. There, there's that flip that you're waiting for of, of not just, yeah, the, the physical, the hitting at practice, the tackling. Show me that this is going to translate into wins. That's what Husker fans want to see. Show me that it's going to take down the Wisconsins and the Iowas of the world, that Nebraska is getting back to its roots. You've seen steps. That bowl game is the first proof of concept that, yes, this is working, not only for fans, but for recruits, for guys in the transfer portal, for a potential another defensive coordinator should you have to replace Tony White at the end of the season. There is importance to that proof of concept that, no, these aren't just ideas that we have that we think are going to work somewhere down the road. They're beginning to work. We're seeing the change in year one. That's what a bowl game, that's what six wins means to me. And that's what's on the line, at least in my mind, in a Nebraska-Iowa game here on Black Friday. Is there proof that these changes that you're making within the Husker football program are beginning to work, not just that they're expected to work? Hey, isn't there another part of... Okay, so there's a lot of layers to this discussion about the impact of today, win or loss. But isn't there also the element that for Nebraska to win today, they can't be Nebraska? Because in the past, they've been Nebraska, and they've gotten badly beaten in the special teams. They have hurt them themselves. They have had these opportunities where they haven't been able to seize them. This is the fourth time on Black Friday that Nebraska goes into a home game with a chance to go to a bowl in that stadium on Black Friday, Colorado, and then, and then twice against Iowa. So this will be the third time. So Nebraska to win today almost has to not be Nebraska. Take care of the football. <laughs> I mean, isn't that? But, but am, am I off there? No, you're not. I mean, you got to be sound in special teams. They have not been consistent in special teams. You not only need to be consistent, but you need to be good or, or match yep. Iowa, and they're great. As, as, our, as our dear friend Steven chimes in on the stream, somebody needs to put a bounty out on Iowa's punter. <laughs> First time that that's been when I, when mentioned. I saw, when I saw the line, I thought, wow, is their punter out? Cranach, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Well, wow, I just drove by a train on Highway 6. I don't know if you guys could hear that, but I, we it heard decided the to sound its horn right as I was doing it. Um, it, <laughs> it, you, know what it you know what it also takes against Iowa? I would say really since the, probably since the Polini era, you know, it, it seems like it takes an exceptional performance by somebody on offense yeah. to break through or on special teams. So DPE had one of those, Pearsonell, mm-hmm. yep. long return. That, that, was, that completely put Nebraska over the top, and that was the difference. 14, yep. Rex, Burke, Rex Burkhead, you were able to just give him the ball, just, hey, battering ram, just, just close this thing out, and he was able to do that. Trey Palmer last year, he was, he was the only guy, like, that was the offense. Get Trey over the top. And he had a, a damn near career day against Iowa. Uh, it's going to take that. And what I'm concerned about is I don't know who that would be on offense because all three of those guys that we were talking about are that I, that I just mentioned were, were proven offensive performers that you could rely on. And and you're trying to think like who's that guy on Nebraska right now? Like who who is that proven go-to? You need a few yards up, get it to him can't answer that question right now it, you're, you're, I, I guess that's what gives me the most concern about today is i don't know who that would be so somebody needs to step up and have an an a way above average performance and i, I have no idea who, who nebraska can can get that from your candidate is emmett johnson the way he's been trending our number two coming up it's hail varsity black friday Good edition way to break there 
here at the single barrel. I paused. I'm thinking how many uh, how many radio hours I've done already. We're going into our two a hail varsity. You've taught me well, both of you. Maybe you've seen me having a brain aneurysm trying to figure out how I'm going to make this work. We're way yeah, so over we're, on time. we're we're going to break before Elijah. Uh, uses the palm and the uh, the back of the hand on me. Hour two coming up on Hale Varsity. <laughs> Weather on the sixes. <laughs> <laughs> the voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Team. Team. T-minus one hour. As we get you ready for Nebraska and Iowa, it's hour two, Hail Varsity, Black Friday edition. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, as uh, we uh, will get into the Friday forecast in a minute uh, on the road here at the Single Barrel, 9th and P, as uh, we are powered by your friends at Sauter Heyman, part of the road show experience. Uh, you are on air, Elijah. There we go. All right, the Snitleys are... Fed and watered, they're ready to go. They are doing well on the the number of Don Draper tributes this morning. There we go. Uh, big thanks to Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse, for coming by. The pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman, with us in this first hour. Also, Mark Cranach on the road as uh, we settle in for some predictions. Jeremiah Searles coming up. Searles take on Nebraska, Iowa here this hour. Evan Bland, a rewind with Evan as we. Uh, check in with Evan here right before kickoff at 11. Again, the bar, the bar is where we're at for postgame. Real Red Reaction at 2.30. Do we have the imaginary and the red-clad Clausburn with us for the forecast, Elijah? We're going to see. I think I have both Cranach and Clausburn on the phone oh. lines. I think I'm going to pull some magic and get the double, the double phone line action. Can you guys both hear me? Let's, let's start with Claus. Are you with us, Claus? Well, I, I think we're we're both here. I'm, we're not together. I don't want any rumors to get started about anything, but I think we're both here. And Cranach, do you have us? I mean, I do. Clausen, do you hear me? Are we are I've we got, together? I've got you, Mark. This is wow. incredible. Good to hear you. Incredible. <laughs> I have pulled it off. There's been no errors. Somebody go buy a lottery ticket for me. This this is incredible stuff. Somebody get to the old sports the show book. where Elijah Bragg is about his button pushing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to the let's get to the forecast. As Cranach, I didn't know if you were tailgating and parked yet or not. So thanks for hanging into the second hour with me, man. Well, hey, listen up. By the way, I'm pretty disappointed in my fellow Omahans for many reasons. Being Creighton fans is one. Being two, two being driving from. Omaha to Lincoln, like the, the, the amount of people that do not know about Highway 6 is just mind-boggling to me. Like, Interstate 80 is a parking lot the whole way. You exit, you go Highway 6, and you're cruising. Like, I, I just don't understand why people don't understand this. It's okay. You're okay. You're, you're all right with it. Uh, let's get into the forecast as we uh, move forward. 
and you have, I don't know. I mean, how do you feel about the, the games this uh, this weekend? I mean, it, there's not a lot of drama, I, I don't think. We'll start off with Oregon, Oregon State as the Ducks trying to improve their record and get back to the Pac-12 championship. Oregon State's a hell of a good football team. They've just lost some close ball games as uh, they are on the verge of 8-4. and four. Minus 16 uh, is the number. I think it's dropped to now minus 14. Uh, I'm going to go with Oregon. I don't think they cover. I hate numbers. This reminds me of all those Nebraska-Colorado games, fellas, where Nebraska was a high double-digit favorite, 17 and a half points. Never ended up that way. You had to sweat it out. I think Oregon wins at home by about a touchdown, uh, 35-28, but no way is Oregon State going to get boat raced here by nearly three touchdowns. I'll take Oregon to win, Oregon State to cover. Elijah, what do you think? And I should be noted that in your your text alerting us to which games we're picking. It says Oregon at at Oregon. So I've done my research all wrong here. I thought we were getting an Oregon intra-squad match. So I'm just no. I'm pulling this one out here. I'm going Oregon 35, Oregon State 24, a win for the Ducks, no cover. Okay. Uh, Cranach, what do you think here? Are you betting with the Beavers or the Ducks? Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think it's a closer game than 14 or 17. Um, and I think Oregon State can keep them off the board a little bit more just with their familiarity and with kind of how they're built. Uh, I'm going to go Oregon 31 and uh, Oregon State 24. Claus, what are you thinking here? Oregon State or Oregon? How you lean? Well, as I understand, this is the last time uh, that these two programs will play a game like this for at least some time. And Iowa knows a few things about being last. Of course, last in snow. <laughs> Last in quality corn, and last in having uh, trophy cases filled with football trophies of uh, imports. So they ought to be pretty familiar with that and enjoy the game tomorrow. But I'll take Oregon in this one, 31, and Oregon State 24. On to Florida, Florida State. Cranach, you've got a lot of family down there in Florida. So Florida State is minus six and a half. They do not have their quarterback. The backup came in, played well against Noah Walters in the fighting North Alabama squad. I just think Florida's, this is danger zone here for Florida. They got to get to six for a bowl game. I think they win outright. I'll take the points and I'll take the Gators. I think Florida State's reeling and it'll be felt without their starting quarterback. So give me... Uh, the Gators 24-21 over Florida State. Elijah, what do you say? This line feels like something of a trap to me because people are going to know Florida State, Travis quarterback, he's out hurt, out for the year. He was such a dynamic playmaker. Florida needs it for the bowl game. The line at 6.5 feels like a trap. I'm going to take Florida State to cover here. I think you're getting some good value. It's a very good team. They still have Keon Coleman. I'm going to take Florida State to win this one 31-21. The Gators just aren't great this year. And despite the fact there's no quarterback, Florida State is the much better all-around football team. So I think six and a half is uh, is actually an advantage Florida State if you're going to be hitting the betting market. Florida State's D-line is very, very talented. Cranach, are you going with the Knolls or Gators? You know, I think Florida's had, had a rough go of late. Um, they, it, you know, you think Florida State's reeling. Florida's been reeling as a program overall. A lot of disarray there. It's not dissimilar to maybe the, the angst that Nebraska fans have been feeling for 
for quite some time. Uh, Florida State seems like they're in a better headspace overall. It's not good that they don't have their quarterback, but you mentioned it. They are loaded elsewhere. Um, I think this one stays relatively low scoring. Florida generally gets into the 30s at least, but I think Florida State can hold them out of that. I will take Florida State 30 and Florida 20. Claus, you're going Knowles or Gators? Well, it's been sort of interesting since that uh, championship game where they played each other again 27 years ago. Seems like (laughs) neither team has really been good at the same time. So either Florida State's good and Florida's down or Florida's uh, good and Florida State's down. They've sort of been uh, wrestling for relevance. And speaking of wrestling and relevance, here's a PSA to Iowa fans. Your wrestling trophies are irrelevant in discussions about football and the relative greatness of the program. So whenever someone points out that you've done nothing in football, bringing up your wrestling trophies does nothing. In this game, (laughs) I'll take Florida State 31 and Florida 24. On to the game, Ohio State, Michigan. I have flip-flopped. There's other shows, i.e. the Average Joe Sports Show podcast where I picked Ohio State. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Nixon tape that. I'm going to lean back Michigan. And I think Michigan wins outright. I don't think they cover. I think they win by a field goal. But give me the Fighting Harbaugh's and their binoculars, 27-24 over the Buckeyes. And Ryan Day and his dyed beard will sweat. Elijah, what do you think here, Michigan or Ohio State? Lower scoring game than people I expect, I think is what we're in for. Two very, very good defenses battling it out. J.J. McCarthy looked average last week. I think that, honestly, he's a good quarterback. I think he's better than what he showed last week. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's good enough to beat this Ohio State secondary, mano mano especially Roman Wilson. Unsure what his status is going to be, at least as of right now. I think it's a lower-scoring game. I think Michigan wins. I think they're a very good football team, probably the best in America. They're going to play for the spirit of Jim Harbaugh, honoring his memory. Give me Michigan 20 and Ohio State 14. Krenak, what do you say here, Michigan-Ohio State? I've been wanting to count out Ohio State, that, that whole, you know, being born on second base and thinking you hit a double. That is kind of how I viewed Ryan Day for a while. But he's a, he's been able to maintain. And I think for a little bit they were getting away from being physical and they were a little bit too in love with the passing game, with the talent of quarterback that they've had. But I think this year they've kind of redoubled down on better defense, on, on doing something on the ground at least, um, and being a little more committed to it than they were before. So, And I think that's why they've been getting waxed by Michigan the past couple years, is just you know the lack of physicality overall. And then Marvin Harrison being the most dynamic receiver in college football, he's going to get loose. And I think all this pressure, all this talk about Michigan cheating is starting to wear on them a little bit. You saw some chinks in the armor against Maryland last week. I think Ohio State wins it in a close one, 27-24. to 24. Ooh. Buckeyes says Cranach Claus. You're going to Ohio State. you going Michigan. Well, Mark mentioned the distractions that uh, Michigan has been having to deal with, and I saw yesterday uh, Ohio State may have a little distraction of their own. Someone uh, reporting that he may be taking the Texas A&M job. Uh, Ryan Day taking the Texas A&M job. 
<laughs> and uh, Texas A&M, of course, is a school that likes to put up banners for just about anything, claim national championships that weren't there. Not unlike our friends across the river in Iowa. <laughs> you did not win three championships in the 50s, Iowa. In fact, no one knew who you were. So unless there was a presidential election at that time, then maybe they paid attention. So I think <laughs> Ohio State probably has uh, a little bit more going for it in this one. So I'll take the Buckeyes 24 and Michigan 21. As we wind down the forecast, don't forget Jeremiah Searles, Evan Bland, Rewind coming up here as we get you ready for kickoff. Nebraska-Iowa Hale Varsity Roadshow here at the Single Barrel, and we're powered on the road by your friends at Sauter Heyman. At the bar, the bar for real red reaction follows at 2.30, so live post game. Nebraska-Iowa, minus three, big red. Sorry to do this, but I've got to uh, stick with the fact that Iowa is 17-1 and one in their last 18 in November, that one loss to Nebraska. I have a hard time taking Nebraska today in the only two losses in the last billion Novembers to Nebraska. I just don't think Nebraska can play clean enough on special teams, and I think Chubba has a good ball game, but it's not enough. Not enough. Give me Iowa 14, Nebraska 10. Clausburn, what what say you in a moment, Elijah? Talk me off the ledge. I'm not going to talk you off the ledge, Smitty. There's an old Mark help Twain push? quote. There's an old <laughs> Mark Twain quote I keep coming back to. Never argue with stupid people. They will drag you down to their level and then beat you with experience. Nebraska is playing an Iowa brand of football right now. I think Black Friday, the game we're about to see, is going to be a very Iowa-esque game. I think they win with their experience winning games like this. Nebraska has been hit or miss in the close games this season. I, I think there's some sort of, of mistake Nebraska makes in that fourth quarter. Iowa takes advantage, and once they take advantage of mistakes like that, they don't tend to lose football games. So that's what it comes down to, too, for me. Nebraska's offense, too mistake-prone. Iowa's offense has the experience in ugly slugfest Big Ten West type games like this. I got the Hawkeyes winning this one 14-10. A close football game. Same, huh? The Hawkeyes get some some short fields uh, and I think they're able to capitalize with some touchdowns, unfortunately. It's a 14-10 win for Iowa and the unders barely hit. You and I are on the same page. Cranach, what happens? 3-0 Iowa in overtime. Okay. That's all I have to say. Cranex is 3 nothing. Clausborn, wrap it up here for the forecast. Nebraska, Iowa, red minus 3. I can't believe the three of you would all pick that way in this close to Christmas with me on the phone line. So just keep that in <laughs> mind when you wind up with a less than desirable Christmas haul. You know, <clears throat> this year in Nebraska and Iowa, we've been making a lot of fun of Iowa's offense and being relatively low scoring and it really... Nebraska's offense hasn't been any better. Of course, we're dealing with a lot of injuries to our offensive line, to the running backs, wide receivers, and we've got a quarterback room that, frankly, would fit quite well in a Marx Brothers movie with all that comedy. (laughs) But Iowa has been low scoring, I think, as a service to their fans because counting higher than 14 in Iowa requires an advanced degree. So... (laughs) 
So I, I think we've got probably a better excuse for having a low-scoring offense, and I think it really doesn't matter today. Nebraska's going to take this one, head into a bowl game with a final score of 21 and Iowa 2. Oh, wow. 21-2, the cover, the win, the blowout, says Clausburn. Claus, enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend. Thank you much for coming on today. Okay. There he goes, Clausburn. He's imaginary. He wears red. Cranach, stay warm, brother, and uh, we'll pour you one here for post game. If uh, you can swing on by the bar, the bar. All right. This is absolutely going to happen. Can't wait to see you there. Let's go. All right. There he goes, Mark Cranach, and uh, we'll step away. And the Black Friday edition of Hale Varsity continues here with the single barrel. Big thanks to Mark Cranach. Uh, we'll. Rewind with Jeremiah Searles. Searles take on Nebraska-Iowa. Evan Bland also this hour as we take you up to kickoff at 11. Hale Varsity powered by Cornhead Lager and uh, brought to you by Sauter Heyman on the road. And now. And now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in our favorite Husker NFL offensive lineman, Jeremiah Searles. He's all ready for turkey and stuffing and, dare I say, green bean casserole, Papa Searles? I, 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 I don't discriminate against any... Against any Thanksgiving food no, except for no cranberry size. sauce. Okay. Cranberry <laughs> sauce is disgusting. <laughs> Get the canned. No, 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 no. That's no. gross. No, 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 no. no, no. That's, oh, it's, a, it's a fruit, don't, don't it's a fruit roll-up. No. It's a fruit roll-up in a can. No. That's what it tastes There's like. There's no need for that. There's no need for that. If I want sugar, I'm going straight to the pie. I'm not going <laughs> to cranberry sauce. If I want sugar and filling, straight to the pumpkin apple pie. No, no, here's my thing. The canned cranberry sauce, no. Homemade cranberry sauce, yes. Never made it homemade. And Searles is like setting both on fire. It's okay. Uh, Searles, you're not going to do a little pecan action? I mean, again, I discriminate against no pies, but I think the wife I think the wife went with uh, my mom and got apple and pumpkin pies. So, okay. Uh, you know, that's that's the go-to here. It's a little smaller Thanksgiving here at my parents' place. They have a little bit smaller of a house. Kitchen's not very big, so... My wife actually bought her, brought her toaster oven with her, so we could have another oven here. So cool. we're all set for. We're doing it tomorrow night, um, Wednesday night, because I'm actually driving back to Nebraska on Thanksgiving. So, so that's that's a roadie. That's a quick turn and burn. It is. Yeah, we got out here on Sunday and then turn around because I had had New York on Saturday to watch J. Mike play on oh, cool. Sunday against the Giants or against the Patriots, Giants Patriots. So excited about that too. That'll be good. So yeah, Iowa. Well, well, saying Giants Patriots will be good. That's. No, it, See, seeing so, your guy, that'll be good. Well, I'm not sure about watching the Giants and the Patriots play football. Listen, listen the last two times, I've, so I've had two trips out to New York that have gotten canceled. The first one was on the Monday Night Football, the opener, and they got killed and it was pouring rain. The second time I was supposed to go out there was two weeks ago, and they ended up pouring rain, getting killed again. So I'm hoping that now third time's a charm. It's going to be decent weather. I know it's not going to be warm in New York at the end of November, decent weather and possibly a better game iowa is what side the cranberry sauce of oh, the Searles? 
Yeah, I was the leftovers you feed to the dog after everything's done. <laughs> you scrape it off the plate and go, there you go, bud. Welcome to Thanksgiving. So Iowa hate is real. You guys didn't lose. You lost one game I to them. I lost my senior year. Yeah, you weren't playing, though, though, were you? I was. I was dinged up. I had an MCL sprain. But that one still sticks in my craw, man. That's We had a lot of big wins and the Memorial, a lot of big losses. But walking off Memorial Stadium for the last time with a loss to those losers that one stop. Well, well, tell me about the, the senior day factor of that day. Is that why that stings so much that, you know, you honored pregame, you get your little rose, you get a hug from Coach Bo, and, and you guys can't get it done on senior day? I've heard a lot of stories of people that, that if it's a, a loss on senior day, it sticks on your craw for a long time. 100%. It's, it's the last, I mean, it's your last impression of a Husker, right? I know we had the bowl game, but, like, your last impression of in that stadium, what will you be remembered for? And I know people, like, people forget – but you don't forget your last time in that stadium. Like I can remember that day vividly, coming out of the tunnel, giving Coach Bo a hug, seeing my mom, my dad, my brother there on the stadium, like, and just wanting to walk off there with the Heroes Trophy and going, man, my last time here was a win, a big win over our rivals. Like, and when that doesn't happen, yeah, it, it just really sticks with you as a player. Jeremiah Searles with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Nebraska, Iowa week is Searles gearing up for Thanksgiving with the fam. Uh, with that 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 game not to dwell on it too much but that was the the infamous Bo swinging his hat how close to to you were Bo to you to Bo were you swinging the hat around because he was within millimeters of the official <laughs> I I still to this day kind of wish like what would have happened if he did right like it would he got he would have gotten kicked out for sure sure right like he would have gotten ejected and it's like maybe that's all we would have needed right maybe that <laughs> Maybe him getting the boot and giving the double birds on the way out would have been like the, the little little nudge in the pants that we needed. But I also do remember that being the game where we all kind of went to bat for him afterwards to mm-hmm. keep his job. Right? I remember myself, Kenny Bell. I think that was the infamous I'll go to the gates of hell to fight for Bo Pelini type of mm-hmm. quote. But, you know, I wasn't anywhere close to him. I remember getting the foul. Like the, I think I was on the sideline. And I remember getting the, the hearing the, the whistle and looking up at the, at the big board and seeing him do it like, well, that's not good. Searles, <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what do you make of, of last week? I want to focus in on Chuba and a little bit of the spark the offense had. What do you see from the defense? And let's apply it to, to Black Friday. Yeah, you know, I thought for the situation that Chuba came in, I was really proud of the way that he came in and at least started that football game, right? You know, showing that he's a little faster than I would give him credit for. I mean, I was yelling, slide, slide. And I was like, oh. <laughs> score run little boy run right like <laughs> looks like the poor man's eric crouch streaking up the sideline there and you know so that was great and then he delivered a couple of good balls but overall you know he needs to take a big jump if he is the starter this week of understanding that it's okay to get from one to two to three in his progression because towards the end of the game there it was one tuck and run and there was plenty of times i went back and watched the tape you know bullocks coming open over the middle in the second window or fedoni's passing the linebackers to get to the second window and overall, I thought the pass protection was pretty good for the most part from the offensive line. He wasn't under duress a ton all day. You know, so like we talked about at the beginning of the season, guys taking huge jumps from week one to week two, I'd like to see what Purdy can look like going from first start to second start if he is the guy. Uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, I was a little little disappointed in our ability to get after the quarterback. I thought this was, you know, Tanner Mordecai was a guy we'd be able to get to, frustrate, fluster, and he was able to create and move with his legs, not under pressure, but more just because he could and create because it was covered down the field. You know, so losing guys like Nash was a little dinged up, losing Blaze Gunnarsson, Elijah Judy, you know, our depth is really being tested at a 
position that was already kind of limited on depth to start with. You know, so that's going to be something that's going to be something very closely watched on Black Friday of how does the depth of our defensive line hold up because it was pretty apparent when, when zero and nine were out of the game, Wisconsin knew it, and Wisconsin went straight up the gut, and I expect Iowa to do a lot of the same. Yeah, with, with Iowa's offensive struggles, Searles, is that a concern for you, the fact that Nebraska's defensive line is, is thin, or because of Iowa's offensive struggles, do you think that this might be the game where if you are going to be thin on the defensive line, you can be okay? I guess which side of the coin are you in terms of just how bad is Iowa's offense? Yeah, you know, I honestly believe Wisconsin's offensive line is much better than Iowa's offensive line. I mean, Tanner Bordellini's an NFL player at center. Jack Nelson's an NFL player at tackle. Right, you look at Iowa's offensive line, and they just don't have the same type of caliber player across the board. So, yeah, it's okay to be a little bit thin at that position, but when it becomes a war of attrition, which is what this game is going to be on Friday, it's the depth that worries me in the second half of can these guys sustain the the going and getting beaten can Nash and Ty play 50 60 snaps a game like can those guys do it and if they can great but if they can't that's when I start getting a little concerned and to flip it around Searles what kind of talent do you see on the Iowa defense I mean they're fantastic as for Chubba we talked about how poised he was against Wisconsin I think you worry about that with an Iowa defense that is uh a bunch of ball hawks in the secondary linebackers that are fast and flow to the football and really make you pay whenever you try to go inside what is your concern level in terms of getting another poised performance from, from Chubba Purdy on Friday? Yeah, you know, it's very concerning because the strength of this defense is their front seven. I mean, their front seven, you talk about the interceptions, those type of things in the back end, that's all caused by the defensive line and the linebackers getting to the quarterback and speeding up the throws or giving inherent throws. You know, so for me, being able to run the football in this game is going to be pivotal, but Iowa hasn't let anyone run on them really all year. You know, and... For the way to do it, if you are going to run against this Iowa team, is you can't just bang your head against the wall running up the A-gaps and the B-gaps. It's got to be the option game, getting to the outside, the speed options, the pin-pull type stuff, trying to get to their edges, and then understanding when to take your shots. You know, with Cooper DeGene being out for them, their All-American corner, first-round draft pick, you know, him not being in there, they're a little thin at the cornerback position. So if you can try and establish even a little bit of a run, I think we'll have limited opportunities, and we have to make sure we take advantage of them, of taking shots over their head to Malachi Coleman or Billy Kemp or Doss, those type of things, because there's not going to be many of them because you're not going to be able to sit back there and pass protection against this team for a very long time. But when we have those opportunities, we have to make the most of them. Searles, uh, what do you think happens at quarterback? Uh, do you think Chubba gets the, the, the nod for a second week because of – his dual threat ability. I mean, clearly he looks like he's the best passer, uh, but you talked about how pivotal the run game is going to be. If Harburg's healthy, I mean, he's 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 a tougher runner, or at least his style's more physical. Chubba's a faster runner, or at least more uh, more elusive, more big play. Both guys can do big plays on the ground. Yeah, honestly, I think we'll see all three. You know, with with Grant being injured, and being out of that game, you know, you're thin at the linebacker, at the running back position. Like, I remember Grant getting hurt. I looked at my wife, and I was like, gun to my head, tell me who the fourth running back is behind Josh Fleeks. No idea. Pull the trigger. Right? Like, we're, we're basically <laughs> at that point in depth chart on the running back position. So having Harburg, Chubba, and even possibly Sims finding a way to put some gadgets in and finding ways to try and just get some guys that can run with the ball in their hands, I think we'll see all three as a chance. And honestly, Harburg being healthy at this time of the year – you know, coming off a high ankle like that, you're not really sort of kind of. 
you're sort of kind of healthy. And if that is his strength of the game is being a powerful runner, if you're kind of running on an 80% or even a 75% leg, that's not really the strength of your game anymore. So it's with the... Uh... With the, the issue, really, for the offense all year being trying to find that one quarterback, your solution is three quarterbacks. Put them all in the game at the same time. Is that what you're saying here? Like, remember the old Bo Pelini diamond formation? Yeah. You just go Why three not? quarterbacks in the backfield? Why not, right? Have Harburg, have Purdy, have Sims back there. Obviously, don't give it to Sims. But, like, you know, <laughs> just kind of figure it out as you go. Who knows what's going to happen? Searles, <laughs> what's this season kind of meant to you as a guy who's had a chance to, to do a couple of games uh, from the booth, you're around the program uh, a ton. You uh, bleed red. Have you been impressed, happy, uh, pausing? Where, where's your take on the topic of progress? Yeah, you know, I called at the beginning of the year. I thought it was going to be a five-win season. You know, that's kind of where I pegged it. You know, and the sad thing is this could very easily be a seven-win season right now. You know, I think we dropped the game in Minneapolis and we dropped the Maryland game. Those are the two games to me that are really dropped games that I thought we had every opportunity to win those football games. And, you know, so you look at a team that's really close in a lot of areas. And I know that Husker Nation and myself included kind of fall into this trap of like, well, Scott Frost did the same thing, right? Like it was a one score games. It was all this stuff. But for me, they're different end of game scenarios than they've been in the past. And the fact that we are not imploding in the fourth quarter, in my opinion. You know, we're putting ourselves in a position we're just not quite executing at the high enough level to win, but it's not a total implosion like we've seen at times in the fourth quarter under the Scott Frost regime. So I'm happy with where the growth is. I'm happy with where I see the future of this offense and this defense and the special teams and this whole team going. Again, I think Matt Rule's done a phenomenal job of flipping the culture on its head within the first year. I am happy with where the Husker program is at, and I think it'd be a great way to cap off the year to go to a bowl game. It's been a lot of years, Searles, in the pros, and it is open season in some of those bigger markets on a team's offensive coordinator. Uh, yeah. Right? And in Satterfield, people are really respectful. The media in, in Nebraska, I'll say that. Uh, that said, there's been questions, and, and you have social media. You've heard the, the, the fans outcry at times specifically the last uh two fourth quarters uh last two minutes of the the last two fourth quarters what's your take on set is the guy trying to make a a gourmet meal with and i'm not knocking the talent of the kids it's just he's been dealing with an an injured side of the football is that how you've looked at it yeah, you know, it's hard for me to call for the head of a an office. I'm not asking that. I'm saying no, the upside no, saying of like, the, the system. For sure. No, I'm talking about like the outside world calling for yeah. the head of Satterfield, right? It's hard for me to jump on that bandwagon when you really look at it from an objective person or like objective view of like this dude lost his top two running backs in the exact same game. He's lost multiple offensive linemen, right? You lose Marcus Washington midpoint of the year. He really was hurt for the all of camps. You didn't really have him either, right? You've got Fedoni, who's a first-year player coming in. You start going in a rotating ring of quarterbacks because Sims wasn't the guy you thought he was when you got him here. Like, it's really hard for me to pin all of that on the offensive coordinator and say he's the issue, mm-hmm. right? I just got done doing a podcast for the NFL where I really don't understand why they fired the Buffalo offensive coordinator. Like, I really don't understand why they fired him because it's like he wasn't throwing the interceptions, right? Like, he wasn't the one out there fumbling the ball. Like, they were ranked first in every category, but it comes down to eventually someone has to fall on the sword and everyone's going to have to fall on the sword at one point. But for me, it was the injuries this year. Mm-hmm. It was the injuries. It was all those things. And Rule nailed it in his press conference. Why, when I'm trying to rebuild something from the ground up, 
would I take an entire phase of the ball and start from ground zero all over again? Sure. It just doesn't make sense. So before we get you out of here, I want to get your thoughts on, on the offseason ahead for this Husker offense. Outside the quarterback position, I think we're all in agreement that Nebraska is likely going to go to the portal for a quarterback. Are there any other spots on the offense where you think Nebraska needs an instant influx of talent via the portal, or do, or do you trust the young guys on that offense? Wide receiver. We need a veteran wide receiver. I love the young guys that we have in Malachi Coleman and Dawes and some of the other guys, but we need to bring in a true number one big-time receiver to give our quarterback, whoever he is that we bring in, a chance. Right? You can look across the league. Even the, even the young quarterbacks in the league that come in, if they don't have a guy at receiver – it's really hard, right? It's why the Bears traded for DJ Moore to go get Justin Fields a guy. It's why C.J. Stroud has Tank Dell, right? It's, it's a proven fact that if you can have a number one wide receiver, it makes the quarterback's job easier. It's why Adrian Martinez as a freshman just found wherever Stanley Morgan was and threw him the football, right? It's mm-hmm. why last year they had Palmer and Casey Thompson just threw him the football, right? When you have that security blanket, it helps. And then that, helps, that also helps with the, the, the depth building and the way that those young receivers like grow and develop. So I think the receiving position is definitely the number two spot that we need to go get at least one or two guys out of the portal. Jeremiah Searles with a Searles quick prediction. I think uh, I think I think Nebraska wins this game thirteen to ten. All right. I think I think that's the kind of game that we're going to have. Big red by three says Papa Searles. Best to you and your family, Jeremiah. Have a great Thanksgiving, man. Hey, appreciate you guys. Go big red. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. We say hi to Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald at Evan Bland, OWH on Twitter to talk more Nebraska, Iowa. Evan, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for a few minutes. How you doing? Hey, doing all right. Uh, you reminded me I got to pace myself this uh, time of year, this time of week, man. A lot of good food going around. So, uh, yeah, excited for the holiday. Uh, pacing oneself. It's a skill, isn't it? And Nebraska fans, they've, they've paced themselves for a while. Uh, Evan, if you look back to those missed opportunities, chance to go bowling for Nebraska in 2019, uh, a chance to, to get there this season as well. And can it happen, Black Friday? Uh, Iowa's beatable. It's a winnable game. Uh, my take, not Scott Frost's uh, to tick <laughs> off Purdue, but it's going to be tough. And, and, I, and I love how this – showdown kind of gets um, gets to the nitty-gritty uh, going to be a real test of wills and what do you like about nebraska moving in to to this uh this one perhaps last opportunity on black friday well i like their headspace still i you know i have not gotten the sense from any of the coaches or players that they're worn down or overly frustrated. I mean, of course they want to win, but like it just feels like they continue to bounce back and prepare and do all the things that you need to do to be competitive in this game, even though the results haven't gone their way. I I do think that's a really positive sign for where the culture is going under Matt rule. Uh, But, you know, want to and, and culture and all that, it's a great foundation, but I think in a game like this, it's a reminder that it, it can't be everything. Like, you, you need some health. Nebraska doesn't necessarily have a lot of that. You need talent. You need guys to get better. And I think it's a reminder that <clears throat> Nebraska's on the front end of a lot of that stuff right now. And, uh, you know, it is. It's going to be a tough one with the way Iowa plays defense and, and plays games that 
Uh, it really, I think, what Iowa's good at um, directly goes up against what Nebraska's been good at and what they've needed to do to win games. And, and particularly, I think, of the offensive side, where, like, if you're Nebraska, the way that you score points or the way you have scored points is by busting a long one at some point. And that's something Iowa's been really good at stopping. So, you know, I think the over-under, what, 27-and-a-half, it, it feels really high, as ridiculous as that sounds. Like, uh, it, it does. It feels like, you know, the defense uh, is going to have to do something for Nebraska to, to score or, for, or to set them up for field goals or whatever. Uh, I, I think it'll be a close game. I think they can win it, but it's a, an example of two teams at, at very different points in kind of figuring out who they are and how they go about winning games. Evan Bland with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Evan, it's, it's pretty clear how important this game is Friday for Nebraska to get a win, obviously making it to a bowl game. But I want to get your thoughts on on the, the the psyche element that Nebraska, if they beat Iowa, do you think that could be more important than a bowl game, the fact that Nebraska with the win Friday? I mean, you look how Iowa wins football games and how they've won football games for years. They thrive in close games. They like to dirty things up. They like to win those ugly football games. They do it by waiting for you to make a mistake and capitalizing on that mistake to if you boil it down simply. And I want to get your thoughts on the psyche it could mean for this Husker football team if they could be Iowa back-to-back seasons, especially with just how Iowa wins football games, almost the perfect foil to know how Nebraska has lost a lot of football games over the past five years or so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think it's something that Matt Rule said about <clears throat> Iowa on Monday about this idea that in a in a seven to six game and a ten to three game, whatever, like they're comfortable in that. Their heart rate stays slow. They stay calm. They know what they're doing. They they see you know stay the course, see it through. And you know, Nebraska has stretches of doing that, but then they get away from it, right? With with uh, maybe an ill-timed pass call or a fumble or you know, an occasional blown assignment defensively. Like they're 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 getting there, and you can see kind of what the blueprint is going to be. But I was just so dang consistent with that all the time. And so if you can, uh, you know, as Nebraska in your last regular season game, kind of show some of those gains against a school that is already the Big Ten West champ, that's gonna, uh, you know, maybe win ten games this year, depending on how things go. That's absolutely a, a shot in the arm into the off season, and we saw firsthand what the value of that can be when they went to Iowa city and did it last year. I mean, that even though their season was over like that had tangible, uh, you know, benefit to those players. That was, that was a relief. That was a cathartic moment in Iowa city where they finally got one of those monkeys off their back. So yeah, I think that's something that would be important. Um, you know, they, they would tell you that, Obviously, going to a bowl game and having the practices and developing the next wave of guys is also key. Um, but yeah, if you can turn what was a lengthy losing streak against Iowa uh, into a winning streak and, and actually beat them in Lincoln for the first time since 2011, as crazy as that sounds, um, that's that's a great start. And, and, and in the big picture, that's what everybody's talked about all off season was: can this team get to a bowl game? Can it show some proof of concept moving forward? And this is, you know, take four to, to get to that bowl game and see if they can do it. And maybe if you do it against Iowa, that could be you know, the, the, the sweetest way to do it overall. Evan Bland with us here, Hale Bar City Radio Roadshow here at the Single Barrel Thanksgiving Eve. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And, uh, Evan, let's spend a minute here on Nebraska. And we, we talked a little bit of big picture. We talked with Mike Babcock about it. I want to get your 
take on it as well. Have you seen progress this year with the Nebraska football program? And what is success for this Nebraska football program? Is it that bowl appearance? Or have you seen enough progress that says, all right, this has been a successful year? Yes, I would say that I have seen enough. And I'll go back to the culture piece that we just discussed. Mm -hmm. Like that's, I think that's where you start. Like guys are clearly uh, brought in to use that cliche. Like, you know, in past years when Nebraska's struggled, there's, you can always kind of tell there's been discord at certain points, guys speaking out, whether that's players or coaches, and there just hasn't been any of that. Like they, they, they bounce back, they go on to the next thing. They know what's expected of them. And, you know, I I think there's no bigger Testament to where the program is than Ty Robinson deciding to come back. I mean, uh, he's coming back for a, a sixth season under a staff that did not recruit him when he would likely be chosen in the NFL draft and he could start his professional career. He likes it here enough. He said that he sees enough stability, enough track record of development. that He's going to put another year of his career into this program. So I think that says a lot. I think we're going to see more of that as the transfer portal opens on December 4th. I don't anticipate seeing a lot of guys uh, jumping into that thing. Now you may see some of these fifth year Juniors uh, decide to move on for various reasons. I think injury certainly could play a part or, or graduation. The fact that guys have degrees in hand and maybe want to move on. But this just, it, it feels like a place where people know that they're going to get better. And I think that's the other thing. And, and Matt Rule touched on that this week, too, saying that you know the improvement is improvement, the film is the film. And even though the results haven't always been there amid a bunch of close losses, uh, I think you can look at, especially defensively, you can you can go down the line and, and pick any level of the defense and say, this guy got better or that guy got better. The offensive line has not been uh, an obvious problem the way that it has been in the past. Like, there's just a lot of individual cases of success. And, you know, again, Nebraska is just a handful of points away from – you know, being seven and five, eight and four, if, there, if things maybe had, had broken differently uh, when the season's all said and done. So I think they recognize that. They recognize they can get better, um, and that that makes Nebraska in a more stable place than it's been in a long time. Evan, we have to get your thoughts on on Chuba. Just what do you want to see from him on Friday? I guess what is a successful day? We kind of laid it out with Mike Babcock that. Iowa is one of the best defenses in the Big Ten this season, and that's a lot to ask for from Chubba to ask to have a similar performance to what he did against Wisconsin, but that might be what he has to do if he wants to put his name into the running for winning that starting quarterback battle next year should he choose to come back. So I want to get your thoughts on what a successful day for Chubba looks like on Friday against Iowa. Well, I know he got Iowa's attention with his long touchdown run against Wisconsin. There were some players in Iowa City this week that were talking about that. And I think, uh, you know, kind of right along with us, like they maybe didn't expect that he could be that fleet of foot or that much of a threat as a scrambler. So I think Nebraska is going to need some of that. I mean, that's become pretty clear here going into game number 12. That the way Nebraska moves the ball is going to include a heavy dose of quarterback run. So I think you're going to lean on that some. Uh, you know, to Purdy, I think, made it pretty clear that Billy Kemp was his preferred target. So. Get, get him involved, get the senior involved in space with some short throws, let him make some plays and do some things, and then, you know, do what you did too and not turning the ball over, you know, outside of that uh, that late, uh, late interception in overtime to end the game. Pretty took care of the ball and played the field position game. And if you do that against Iowa, 
you have a chance. If you give it away and set up their offense with short fields and then they give it back to their defense, good luck. So I think really in a lot of ways, Purdy did just about everything that you could want from Nebraska's starting quarterback in their current state uh, against Wisconsin. So do that again. Again, I think it's going to be tough to um, bank on multiple long scoring plays the way they had against Wisconsin. Uh, but take care of the ball, run the ball, uh, chew up some clock, and then just you know let your defense dual Iowa's defense and <laughs> see who comes out on top in what should be a rock fight. Evan Bland with the World Herald and Evan Bland, OWH. Evan, best to you and your family for Thanksgiving. We'll see you on Friday. Thanks for a few minutes today. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Thanks.